Welcome to Bite Size SEO News, where I find the top three news in digital marketing so you don't have to, where I make news easy to digest and easy to follow. If you want to read the article, links are posted in the show notes below, so you never have to worry about FOMO. My name is Rich, and your host today is Wednesday, December 15th, 2021, episode 24. Coming up, fresh out of the oven are today's top three news you definitely don't want to miss. Story 1. Google is testing a design overhaul for their search bar on desktop. Story 2. Instagram head Adam Mosseri says the app will offer a chronological feed option early next year. Story 3. Say goodbye to your favorite podcast promo codes. If you're ready, let's get into it. Alright, for our first story... This one's brought to you by Brody Clark of BrodyClark.com. Google has been in the process of testing out new inclusions for the search bar on desktop since earlier this year, and it looks like it's starting to take shape. Brody is now seeing what looks more of a finished product for Google's search bar on desktop, which presents a cleaner design and more drop-down functionality to work with. Brody explores some of the changes that Google is testing in the desktop search bar design overhaul with screenshot comparisons included, along with some backgrounds on the changes. As a starting point, the most useful way to see the new desktop search bar test is via video, because there's some interesting elements involved with the changes. The new desktop search bar test can be found in the video uploaded by Brody in his Twitter feed. The test includes quite a few elements that aren't included in the existing desktop search bar design. There are four different changes that are worthy of mention. One, Text size. The size of the text that is inputted into the search bar is now larger than the standard search bar font. This is something that Google was actually testing more recently, but on mobile instead. 2. Hover effect removal. The hover effect for the search bar has now been removed completely from the new test. Google has tested various designs for the input field dating back to early 2019, but never removal of the enclosed section completely on desktop as the current test shows. 3. Gray icons slash fonts. Once the search bar is clicked, the text is black as it is normally. Once you click away from the search bar on the SERP, the text then becomes grayed out. The same goes for the magnifying glass and search by voice icons, which both also go gray once the SERP is clicked. 4. Divider movement. The divider has been pushed upward within a new test. In the existing design, the divider has been placed to underline the search bar menu items. In the new test, the divider is used to segregate the menu items from the search bar itself. And lastly, five, thicker blue menu underline. Being one of the more subtle and less noteworthy additions to this test is that the underline for the menu item that is the selection is now thicker. This is likely for design purposes to bring more color to the search bar, considering there is now a lot of gray for contrast. The changes are quite noteworthy and important to keep in mind. But it doesn't just stop there with the new desktop search bar test. There's also a new drop-down elements and logo transformation that happens. In summary, there's plenty of changes that Google is testing with the new desktop search bar test that are worthy of writing and documenting in this article. Normally, Brad would just add minor changes to 
his SERP timeline, which does include a lot of the references to the prior tests that, that he's mentioned in the post. But again, there's plenty to analyze here, and it looks like Google has been working towards a final product in the design. Overall, there are some important takeaways from this post. Here's an outline of the changes. Google is now testing a completely new search bar in their desktop search results. There are five changes to the search bar itself, and then three changes to the drop-down section that appears on one second click. The changes span from changing the size of text, color of icons, functionality of the search bar itself, and more. The most distinct of all changes would have to be a full width change with the drop down now going completely to the side of the window rather than having the bubble section with shadow. With this task, Google has completely snuck in a rollout at the same time, the rollout being the inclusion of the duplication of the people also asked results with the gray background. This was not previously showing as the default with there being several other similar tests in recent time. Based on Brad's knowledge of the many components that have gone into the tests and how long they've been testing these components for, Brad is not surprised if they rolled this out quite quickly. This version of Google's desktop search bar is jam-packed with changes that make the search more visually appealing and likely more in line with how users use the search bar in 2021 and beyond. If you'd like to get some more information on the changes Google's making, make sure to check out Brody's article in the show notes. Now to our second story of the day, this one's brought to you by Sarah Perez of TechCrunch. Instagram is bringing back a chronological feed according to the statements made by Instagram head Adam Lasseri during his testimony today before a Senate panel over the harms to young people using the app. Mosseri was asked if he believed consumers should be able to use the Instagram app without being manipulated by algorithms and the executive said he would support giving people the option to have a chronological feed. He then added that the company was developing that option now, in fact. Quote, We believe in more transparency and accountability, and we believe in more control. That's why we're currently working on a version of Chronological Feed that we hope to launch next year. End quote, said Mosseri. Pressed for more details on the company's plans on this front, Mosseri noted that Instagram has been a few years experimenting with different ways to offer users more control over the experience. One idea tested publicly was called Favorites which allowed users to pick a subset of people whose accounts they wanted to see at the top of their feeds. The other idea the company had been working on is a chronological version of Instagram. Quote, I wish I had a specific month to tell you right now, but right now we're targeting the first quarter of the year. Mosseri noted as to when the chronological option would be introduced to the public. Instagram's switch to an algorithmic feed back in 2016 was a decision that had been fraught with controversy. Although filtered feeds were becoming the norm across social media at the time as they improved engagement metrics, many users were unhappy with the changes. Instagram even went so far as to agree to add more recent posts to its algorithmic feed due to the user backlash in subsequent years after the new feed's launch. In 2020, the company had been spotted building an internal prototype of a latest post feature that would allow users to get caught up on the recent updates through a special section in the app but it was not a full-fledged return to a reverse chronological feed, like the one Facebook offers today as a newsfeed option. The feature also never rolled out publicly to Instagram's global users base. Now, under oath, Mosseri is promising that users may actually get a chronological feed option once again, but it's highly unlikely that Instagram would make this a default setting or even an obvious choice, given the benefits that an algorithmic feed brings in terms of keeping users engaged with the app. If you'd like to check out more of Sarah's article, you can find the link in the show notes. Now to our final story of the day, this one's brought to you by Ashley Carmen of The Verge. Foom is the type of product that traditionally sells well through podcasts. It's a smoking cessation device, and when paired with the podcasters who uses it themselves, people buy. That's why Adam McNeil... 
PR manager at the company says he went from spending $3,000 per month on a podcast ads at the beginning of this year to between $25,000 and $30,000 by the end of the year. Quote, it's become our number one revenue source. End quote, he says. McNeil is one of many direct response advertisers who found a home in podcasting. You're likely familiar with the others. MailChimp, Casper, Manscaped, Tommy John, and any other that relies on promo codes. They're synonymous with the industry. But in a year filled with indie shows going to big networks and eye-popping multi-million dollar deals, as well as a broader push from tech companies to make money off the space, these direct response advertisers say they're getting priced or pushed out while the aspects they've come to know and love about the industry are disappearing. McNeil, for example, says the cost to advertise doubled on one of his brand's go-to shows after it was acquired, although so far they've honored his prior price point. The appeal of advertising on the show has waned. However, because the host packs more advertisers into the same amount of time. Quote, if there's only a few ads on the episode, it seems a little less intrusive to the listener. But all of a sudden now, there's four, maybe five on that episode. End quote, he says. Although the changes are often positioned as good for podcasters and the industry itself, more people are making money and attracting advertiser interests. This also comes with a compromise, the loss of the tight relationships between direct response brands and podcasters, the thing that helped make podcasting what it is today. Another advertiser who asked to remain anonymous over fears of straining their industry relationships echoed McNeil, quote, we did have a show that we really love working with. They say it wasn't small, but it was a part of a smaller network and everything about that felt like a true partnership. It did not feel like it was a transactional sale from a salesperson. End quote. The partnership was a smash success from the get-go, they say, with the team reaching their goals in half the time it typically takes. That all changed when that show got acquired. Quote, I was shocked by the difference. No longer could they switch out ad copy for a campaign would run over three months. If we're not spending like half a million dollars, you don't care if your listeners get sick of hearing our ads. The issue is only becoming more pressing for both advertisers and show publishers. Acquisitions and licensing agreements occur regularly now often with big price tags attached. This year, Amazon Music acquired Smartless in a deal reportedly worth as much as $80 million, while Spotify is exclusively licensing Call Her Daddy for reported $60 million. Meanwhile, Vox Media, which owns The Verge and Hot Pod, acquired Criminal Productions, capping off a year of acquisitions and partnerships that included Cafe Studios, Longform, and Gastropod. Also, SiriusXM acquired 99% Invisible from the Roman Mars. Much of the impetus behind these deals is not only to buy reputable and far-reaching programs, but to also bulk up ad inventory. The publishers then, of course, incentivize to make back the cash they spent. The question is whether the advertisers who help build the space are willing and able to find a place on these newer shows, or if the podcasting industry's onward march means leaving the mattress sellers behind. There's a lot more to Ashley's article. Make sure to check it out in the show notes below. That's it for today's show. We've made it to the end. You're good to go and ready for the day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate the show so it helps spread the news and I can continue doing what I do best, which is providing you the latest SEO news you just cannot miss. Serve Tapa style, making it easy on the stomach and on the go. Once again, I'm your host, Rich Ong, and I'll see you on the flip side.